It's time for the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Shondell Grand. And right now we've got a huge selection of brand new Mazdas with exciting spring incentives across our entire lineup. Plus, you can buy your new Mazda completely online with our exclusive no-brainer checkout. Don't miss the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. We're getting you ready for the game on The Build-Up with news from around the league, interviews, highlights, and more. Here's your host, Ted Ramey. All right, what's happening, everybody? How are we all doing as we get ready for the Sharks to take on the Devils? We are looking at the return of Timo Meyer to the tank tonight. Uh, that's always reason for, I won't say a celebration, but a moment of appreciation because Timo, although not part of the quote-unquote glory years for a long time, was a key piece of the San Jose Sharks run to the 2018-2018 Western, excuse me, 2018-2019 Western Conference Finals. And, you know, he had some great moments with the Sharks. The five-goal game was unbelievable to see in person for me. Uh, you don't get too many opportunities to see those in history. Um, it, you know, obviously he's had some struggles this year with injury as well as just his overall game. And I would hope that for his sake, uh, he is able to recapture his game. Uh, but, you know, right now, Timo Meyer is a guy who is one of those guys who was part of the end of the Sharks' long reign of terror in the Western Conference and the NHL at large. Still, I think he can recapture his game and become one of those top-tier players, and I hope that he gets the moment of appreciation that he deserves. Um, so we will be paying attention to uh, that tonight. Also, just a little bit of uh, news from Sheng Peng. He says that... Uh, Mackenzie Blackwood will be getting the start tonight. Hochuk should be in as well as Kevin LeBanc. Um, no Mark Outer Vlasic tonight, uh, but he does say that Mark Outer Vlasic has been doing well. So uh, that's just a storyline to pay attention to as we get forward and deeper into the year. Um, I am excited to see how Kevin LeBanc does. And obviously there's been some talk about uh, his frustrations with not being in the lineup. And in the last game, uh, David Quinn did not give a lot of detail as to why LeBanc was a healthy scratch other than a lot of reasons why he wasn't in. I think that for the most part, those two have never seen eye to eye on what their game should be out there on the ice. Um, I think that Kevin LeBanc has a lot of potential for whatever team he's playing for. So I would only hope that he goes to a team that is able to unlock his potential because when he was playing alongside a Joe Thornton in the 2018-2019 season, he had uh, a high 50s point total over the course of of the season, and I think that a lot of teams do see the inherent value in him. But while we get to the reality of it, LeBanc does take a lot of bad penalties. His defense is a little bit lacking, and sometimes he can be lackadaisical with the, with the puck. So there are um, there's pluses and minuses to his game, but like everybody, he's a good guy, and I hope he does find a good fit at some point because I think he has a lot of hockey left to play. All right, to talk about all of this, we are now joined by Shalena Goldman, who covers the Sharks for NHL.com. Shalena, what's going on? How are you doing? I'm doing well, Ted. How are you? I'm doing very well. It's, uh, you know, it's getting to be, uh, you know, almost March, which means the trade deadline is upon us. So I'm sure we'll be dealing with all that fun in the next uh, roughly 10 or so days. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a good time of the year. Um, but before we go any further, I'm going to hit you up on the uh, return of Timo Meyer. Um, you spoke to him already today and, you know, Timo, I, I understand why the Sharks made the move that they did, his contract status, what was lining up for the Sharks and their rebuild. 
Um, but just in your uh, in your chatting with Timo, what did you uh, what did you glean from him in terms of how he was interpreting his return to the tank for the first time since that trade? He uh, he admitted that it was a little weird coming back and being in the opposing team's locker room, as as every player says in their first time back. You know, he had spent the, his entire career up until it was a year ago yesterday that he was traded. He didn't spend his entire NHL career here before that. And he admitted that it was kind of a shock and that he didn't really know what to do because, you know, at this time of year, players, you know, they're trying to play. They're, you know, they're, they're trying not to look at, you know, am I still going to be here or not? And he admitted that it was weird and that it's been an adjustment. And that even a year later, it's, you know, he's you know learning new things and trying to, trying to improve on his game and do different things. So it was interesting since, you know, once he was traded, we haven't really, you know, we haven't spoken to him since then. So it was nice to catch up and hear where he's at. Did you or anyone else ask why he feels he's not been able to replicate the point totals that he was doing previously in San Jose? I mean, Two years ago, 35 goals. Last year, 31 before he went to score nine with the Devils and finished with 40 goals on the season. But he's only got 11 goals this year and 13 assists for a total of 24 points. And when you compare that with, you know, uh, 76 points two years ago, 66 points last year, 66 points in the 2018-2019 season, I mean, it really just doesn't seem to... It doesn't jive. Like his production with New Jersey is not at all the same as it was with San Jose. Yeah, he admitted that this year has shown him a lot of adversity. Uh, he mentioned being injured. He has been out. He has been out of the lineup a mm -hmm. little bit. He said. He said that there's been that, and that even just being on a different team for the first time after playing with the same guys for so so long that, that it's still kind of an an adjustment for him. He also said that there's nobody that's harder on him than than, than you know than he is, and that he knows of the expectations and how high and how high that they are. And that this is a different role for him. He was the young guy in San Jose for so, so long. And now he's expected, you know, there's a lot more expected of him now. So he, he touched on it a bit, but, um, you know, being Timo, you know, still hold, held his cards a little closer to the vest. Yeah. Did, did it seem bittersweet for him to be returning or was he just kind of, you know, happy to be back in town? How did, how did you, um, you know, take that? Oh, he said that he was happy to be back. You know, when he was here, he lived on Santana Row. He said that he hung out down there with some friends, grabbed some coffee, walked around out, out in the sun, admitted that it is a little bit warmer here than it is in Jersey right now. Um, so he said that it was nice to come back since he had been here for so long. What do you think his reception will be tonight? Because he isn't, you know, associated with the Gloriers the same way that, you know, Pavelski upon his return or Burns or Jumbo or Marlowe. He kind of caught the tail end and was obviously a huge part of their run in the 2018-2019 season to the Western Conference Finals. Um, but he, you know, he was uh, mostly, or for most of his career at the Sharks, their best goal scorer, but in times that we don't associate with the Sharks being a good team. I, I expect that he's going to have a warm reception. I'm sure there will be something for him. They'll at the very least show him up on the screen, but I would honestly be shocked if there isn't a tribute video. There isn't you know, Randy Hahn doing Timo time and overtime, that <laughs> call. Um, I think he's going to get a warm re reception. As you mentioned, he did come in at the tail end of that big run, but he was also part of that team that went to the conference final in 2019. So I think fans will be happy to see him. You know, to the point you made about him being on a new team and not getting the same point totals, do you ever juxtapose that with what we've seen in San Jose the last two years with so many new guys coming in and, 
maybe, you know, obviously, because you've been doing this, you know, for a decade or and longer now with the Sharks, and we saw the power of continuity versus the pitfalls of, you know, a revolving door. So many guys coming in and out of the Sharks lineup over the last few seasons. Um, we see the impact of guys having to get used to other new players. Oh, absolutely. I see that with not just guys this season. We saw that with players last season as well, because you know, last season there was so much unknown, uh, you know, new coaching staff, you know, new general manager. And I remember skaters coming out, you know, for the home opener and half the team was, and when guys don't get going right away, at first it's like, wait, they scored so many goals last season. But I think it's, it's the exact same thing when you have so many guys who aren't used to playing together yet. It doesn't really matter how good they are. They're still kind of trying to get adjusted and get comfortable and, you know, get situated into. I, it, it is the same job, but in the way it's like having a new job almost. You have mm -hmm. to get used to, you know, different surroundings. And I think it's absolutely the, the, the same kind of thing. And, you know, you, you do see players, you know, get situated more quickly than others do. I think that's something, but oh no, I think it's very much the same type of thing. What do you make of the Kevin LeBanc situation kind of playing out before our eyes right now? Because he was a huge part of that 2018, 2019 team playing alongside Jumbo. He had, you know, high 50 points, 56, 58, something like that. Uh, but it seems like since then, he's never been able to find that same level of production. And it seems like he's been kind of in the doghouse a lot with you know, Bob Bugner to a, a smaller extent, but more so with David Quinn. Yeah, it's really the whole Kevin LeBang situation is really interesting because like, you know, because like you said, um, when you look back, I know we're going to go back again to that 2018, 2019 team. It was, it was Kevin LeBang and Marcus Sorensen on, on Joe Thornton's wings. And, you know, as he was, you know, climbing his way up the points list and you, he was so involved in so much and, I know that there's a level of frustration with Kevin LeBanc right now because he's not playing as much as he wants to. He's not as involved in the team. Um, David Quinn doesn't want to give us too much into why he's in and out as much. Um, but, you know, it, it's, it's a weird time of year with players being in and out of the lineup, with the deadline coming up. And it, it is very interesting. So we'll see what happens within the next week. What are you expecting or have you not even tried to start, you know, predicting what's going to happen with the Sharks in the next few uh, days here or as we get closer to the deadline? I think there's going to be movement. I, you know, there are guys on the team who could help, you know, a playoff bound team. So I do think that there is going to be some movement here. And then we're getting into that time of year where we'll see more of the Barracuda guys come up. Um, you know, we haven't seen Thomas Bortolo in a while, you know, players of that caliber. Um, this team is in, you know, as, whether or not Mike Greer wants to say it, this team is in a rebuild. And so, so we will see some movement um, in, you know, on this roster, what, what, you know, what, what, whether players want to talk about that right now or not. What did you think of the fact that Logan Couture has said in the last few days that he wants to stay with the Sharks, that he does not want to be traded? I think that's great. I think that's wonderful. And he's also a no-nonsense guy, so that you know that kind of fits his brand that he isn't going to play coy with Adidas. he's like no i don't want that that's not going to happen so and that that guy is you know all blood sweat and tears for this team so i i like that he kind of put that to bed so that he can concentrate on himself and not have to have that yeah i mean i also look at it because some people have said you know why aren't they moving couture why aren't they moving hurdle and the, the thing that i keep on coming back to is that you have to have certain players that do have an idea of how things were before of no know, knowing what it was like to get those wins. And I think that 
Yes. I mean, you always there, you know, if Mike Greer gets a deal that's, you know, he can't say no to, I would not, you know, hold it against him, nor do I think fans should. But I also do inherently value the idea that you do need stewards of veteran players who have been there to teach the younger guys how to win. There are a lot of guys who have not been through those winning times as of yet. I mean, William Eklund would be a classic example. He's only known down times for the San Jose Sharks. I think people are very excited for his future, but I think having a Logan Couture around and a, 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 a Tomas Hurdle, you know, having those guys that have been through it before, I think there is a value to that, uh, just as there is a value in what they could maybe get in return for a trade. But I, I try to look at all aspects of it. Oh, I think there's so much value in that. And I, I understand I understand the frustration with, with players who have been here for a while. You know, they're getting older. They're not performing at the same level. You know, you know that's not always just, you know, for them personally, because if the, if the whole team isn't doing that well. Um, but, you know, if you get rid of every single one of those guys and you have a completely new team, who's who's you know who's to say that that team doesn't do worse and that you have all these new people here then you're also looking for a culture you're looking for an identity and there are even more things that you have to look for if you completely redo an entire roster so i do think as you said that there is value to keeping guys like that here who were there with the team when they were going to the playoffs every who were there on the 2016 team that went to the cup final Mm -hmm. and then kind of build their way back to get into the conference final a few years later. I think it's so important to have those people here, especially yeah. when, when you have young guys like Eklund who are so competitive and want to win so badly and want to get to that point. So I think having some veterans there that can help usher that is really important. The one that's been interesting is that there's been talk about Mario Ferraro, and he's a guy who earns um, you know the A on his sweater just a few years into his career, much earlier than most. And you know from the perspective of, a playoff team right now with his shot blocking ability and just that he seems to be a glue guy, even though he's not a superstar, I could understand why teams would want to have him. But on the other side of that, even though he was not here for the glory years, like I feel like Mario Ferraro beyond his numbers holds an inherent value. And that's where it starts getting difficult because a guy like Mario Ferraro, it's not like he's, um, you know, a massively productive points wise defenseman, uh, but he does so many of the little things and obviously has that hold on the dressing room that I don't know that there is, you know, like the joke is, yeah, make them an offer they can't refuse. If somebody offers, uh, you know, obviously being totally hyperbolic, if they said Connor McDavid for Mario Ferraro, you make that right. trade. But the fact of the matter is, is like, yeah, it's like there, this time of the year, I start overthinking things because there are intangibles that you don't always know that you can replace. I mean, we talk about Joe Thornton, the player, and his point production over the course of his career, there is no replacing that. But when you talk to guys who played with him, you know, they they obviously marvel at his abilities, but they talk about what he did for the team. They talk about how he, you know, was the the levity, who got, kept guys light, who was able to, you know, shake off the bad losses and keep guys laughing and smiling. Like, to me, that goes well beyond point production. Well, and Mario was a guy who played with, you know, who came in, you know, as Thornton was, you know, getting to the end of his career. He played, he played alongside Brent Burns for, mm-hmm. you know, a few seasons. He and Burns were friends outside of the ice. So he had this great example for being the glue guy. And it's almost, I mean, but to become that dressing room guy so early, I don't want to call it fluky, but Mario Ferraro very, very quickly kind of became a heartbeat for this team. And, you know, yeah, he might not have that scoring ability, but again, he played with 
burns for so so long so he knows about eating up a lot of minutes and shot blocking and and look and goes okay i need to improve on that mm-hmm. i can pump the team up but i also still need to improve on that and he'll be candid about that and that's a guy that any that that any team would want in their dressing room so i think that those intangibles are so 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 important and but it is interesting with him at this point when you have the sharks at the point that you know, at the point that they're at right now if they were you know even just a couple points out if, you know, if they were like where new, where new jersey is right now where they're seven points out of a wild card spot i think if the sharks were at that point we wouldn't even be thinking about ferrara going yeah. anywhere it would be like absolutely not <laughs> um, but it's you know it's not just you this is that time of year where everybody's overthinking where guys go it's yeah. insane. um four out of five the sharks have lost since they've returned from the break and as we get closer to the deadline and we hear the talks about declare and we hear the talks about Grandland and you know other players in the mix how do you think fans should respond to what i am expecting to be um you know from now till what's the last day of the season april 18th i mean there's probably not going to be a lot of wins along that stretch i could be wrong but i'm trying to be realistic um i mean what do you think the interpretation should be is that this time is a necessary evil or is there reason to be upset that it's not um producing more wins down the stretch because i listen if i'm a season ticket holder i want to go and pay that money and see wins on the table but at the same time i think if you told most people like yeah you have to be bad for a few years to be in the playoffs and contenders for the next 10 to 50 years after that they'd probably take it it's so funny i talked to so many different fans who want so many different things (laughs) <laughs> you know, not not just on game days, but you know, but, you know, but on off days too. You have you know, longtime season ticket holders who want to come and watch them win. You know, know that they have to you know go through this period, but still want to see wins. And you have the people who watch at home who are really active on social media that you know really want Celebrini in the draft, and they're like, nah, it's fine, just keep it going. But then still get mad when they don't win. And it's <laughs> it's a really it's I. I do feel for this fan base, it's a very confusing time because you want wins, but then you also want them to build and you have to do certain, it's just, it's a mess. Um, I hope that fans can just take it all with a grain of salt and just go on the journey with, with this team. And I, you know, I mean, they're, I mean, they're, they're, they're not going to lose every single game for the rest of the season, no. you know, knock wood. So you enjoy the wins, watch, you know, watch, you know, watch the young guys develop and just keep going. Yeah, and it's it's funny though because you know last year at the end of March into the beginning of April they went on a three-game win streak that culminated with Noah Gregor's hat trick in Arizona, and then I think right around I don't know New Year's Christmas time I think David Quinn riffed like yeah you know that that win streak might have taken us out of the uh, you know getting the overall pick or having that enough, was funny uh, I'm not gonna hopper, which I just laughed at because it's like yeah I mean like every, like everybody at that time for the most part, was like, yeah, this is great. Sharks are winning. We all feel good about this until you think about the after effects. It's like, well, wait a minute. Did that take them out of the the number one overall pick? And obviously there's no way of knowing that because it's not like it's a worst striker gets the number one pick. It's a lottery. You, you know, we have no idea what's going to yeah. happen. But, um, it, you know, it is it's something that's in the back of my mind. This is my way of saying this time of year, Shalane, I think about way too much. <laughs> I think everybody thinks about too much this time. There are so many different things that could happen because even if you're – you know, even if this is a team, you know, because you know, first of all, if you're a team that's in a playoff position, it's okay, we're building for the playoffs. We have to stay healthy for the playoffs. 
uh, you know, you know, we're planning you know, to be playing into the month of May. But then if you're not one of those teams, then it's like, okay, it's trade time. Who's still going to be here? Who's not going to be here? How does this affect us in the draft? So no matter what team you're on, there's a lot of there's a lot of overthinking going on. I don't think it matters where you are. <laughs> well, that that puts me a little bit more at ease. But Shalane, I know you've got stuff to do, so <laughs> I will let you go. But thank you for your time as always. Keep up the great work, and we'll talk soon. All right. Sounds great. Thank you. Again, that is Shalana Goldman, who covers the Sharks for NHL.com, and we are out of time. Remember, game time, 7.30, pre-7, right here on the Sharks Audio Network. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey, signing off. This podcast can be found for download under Sharks Hockey Digest on iTunes, Google, and Spotify, and on demand anytime on the Sharks Plus SAP Center app, presented by Western Digital. All music by Yogi Yen.